0: Hello and welcome to ABC's Parenting Adult Children podcast. My name is James Moffat, and I'll be your host. Today is December 19th, 2023. Episode 10 will be our parenting story and why we started the ABC's of Parenting Adult Children in 2014. That's our Facebook group. And if you look over here, uh, you'll see um, the Facebook group If you're logged into Facebook, you can go to Facebook.com, groups, Tough Love Parents, and About. Or you can just search for Parenting Adult Children in Facebook. So this is is a closed group for parents to discuss parenting their adult children and how Tough Love becomes part of the parenting skills needed. It's a private group, which means only members can see who's in the group and what they post. It's visible to anybody on Facebook. Uh, The group was created on October the 11th, 2014, and the name was last changed on September 8th, 2023. Tags are family relationships, child development. So we have 1,046 members. And as I said, we started in 2014. And the reason we started in 2014 was because we were having issues with uh, two of our teenagers that were still living at home. Um, So I'm going to share with you our story as parents. And the reason I'm doing that is because I want to drive more engagement for our, our podcast as well as for our... Um, Facebook support group I don't know if you're on our Facebook support group and that's how you've heard about my podcast but they pretty much go hand in hand I want to make it available for you the listening audience uh, to be a guest speaker and to share your parenting story uh, we all have a story and every story is unique we're unique our our young adults are unique and um, we all come from different backgrounds we come from different socio-economic backgrounds we come from different cultures we embrace different religious beliefs we embrace different spirituality beliefs And I'll just say that the other day I got a private message, a Facebook messenger message from a a lady. And she asked me if our Facebook group was religious, religious religious-based. And I told her, absolutely not. Now, having said that, I will say that we have a lot of different folks that Embrace, like I said, different religions. They have different religious upbringings, different religious beliefs. uh, Practice different types of spirituality. And while my wife and I are Christians, and uh, we met in church uh, back in, um, when did we get married? 1990, I had to think about it. So we met we got married in 1990 we met in 1989 at, at uh, First Baptist Church on Katy Freeway in Houston Texas and uh, this is my second marriage it's lasted 33 years and um, anyway um, we're, we are of the Christian faith and uh, we go to uh, Coastal Community Church in West Ashley here in Charleston and our children um, the two teenagers I'm speaking of I'm I'm not going to mention their names because I want to protect their privacy not that they would ever listen to this podcast episode but um, I going to talk about things that we experienced with them and um, we took our kids to church um, and, uh, they attended youth, youth groups and listened to youth pastors, went to children's church, went to youth group and all that for quite a while, up until they were old enough to make a decision that they didn't want to go anymore. So before I talk about my parenting story, uh, I want to backtrack to August the 5th, 2001. And. And. We have a child, uh, a daughter named uh, Jessica Ann, and when we, when we came to South Carolina, she was diagnosed with cancer. She had two different types of cancers. She had a brain tumor, and it was uh, attached to her brain stem, and we came to Charleston to go to MUSC Children's Hospital so they could do emergency surgery back in 2000. And uh, the surgeons told us that when they got out of surgery, they removed about 95, 96% of the tumor, but they said they couldn't touch the part that was on the brain stem because that, that would have killed her right there. And uh, they said if she lives 12 months, you will be lucky. Well, Jessica lasted 14 months. And uh, she passed away on August 5, uh, uh, 2001 at two o'clock in the morning. I remember her taking her last breath like it was yesterday. Um, and I'm I'm telling you this because that was a life event in our family that happened. Um, we lived through 14 months of uh, treatments, made many trips to MUSC Children's Hospital in downtown Charleston and um, experienced quite a few things. And I will say that losing a child is probably the most difficult thing that a parent could ever go through. Um, Losing a loved one, uh, a spouse, husband, wife, extended, you know, children, extended family, no matter who it is or, you know, depending on how close you are to them determines how raw the emotions are and the grief process. So, I'm telling you this to say that when we went through that 14 months of treatments with her and finally lost her, that um, that life event kind of threw us for a loop. And it affected our family in a lot of negative ways. And... I remember being at the funeral home and the funeral director told me that, well, 99% or 95% of couples that lose a child um, typically wind up in divorce. Well, I'm happy to say that that didn't happen with me and Katie. I'm not saying that it didn't put a strain on our marriage because it did. I'm not saying that it didn't put a strain on my children because it did. And nobody nobody gets a manual to understand what grief is or how to live through it. And you'll hear people say to people or you'll experience or hear others saying to people that have lost loved ones that, well, you know, it's been five or ten years, you need just you just need to get over it. Um the reality of is of it is, the reality of grief is, is that you never do get over it. You just learn how to live with it. And um, grief is painful. Initially the emotions are very raw and painful. But as time goes on, the triggers or further and further between. You know, you can be sitting there watching TV or watching a movie, and a song will come on, or you know, you'll see their favorite flower or their favorite bird, or you know, you'll remember memories of going to Disneyland or some of their favorite places. So those will be painful triggers for you, and you'll have to you'll have to wade through the grief. And as a family. We didn't we we didn't know how to handle it. we didn't know I mean sure we had a church family and we went to church and our our church family at that time supported us the best way they knew how and um uh, so anyway um uh, my wife and I homeschooled our children uh, up until that point up until two thousand and one um, and my wife. Uh, decided to go back to work outside of the home and we sent our children to public school. Which, in retrospect, looking back on it, I think that was a mistake on our part. But anyway, so I want to fast forward to 2014. Our our two children uh, that were at home with us at that time, they were like, I don't know, 15 years old, 14 years old, uh, not sure exactly how old they were, but I know they were teenagers. And um, I have a, a a male son that lives in Michigan. He's in his mid-30s, 38 maybe. He is from a previous marriage. And um, I have a, another son that I think is 26. Uh, he was living at home at that time in 2014 and uh, my daughter who is now 28 she was living at home with us and um, anyway um, as a Christian family we always went to church on Sundays I was very active in the church Uh, I was in leadership at the church ran sound, uh, helped with all different men's ministries, et cetera, et cetera. And our kids went to church with us. And uh, at some point, they professed faith in Christ and said they were believers in Christ and became born again. And uh, anyway, uh, they started going to public school, and they got involved in social media, Facebook, MySpace, whatever, back then. whatever the, I guess MySpace was a big deal back then, and then Facebook. And anyway, when it, when our teenagers got to the you know, 16, 17, 18 mark, they basically said they didn't want to have anything to do with church. But they didn't believe in God and they didn't believe in the things that we believed in. And so they walked away from it. And at some point, both of my teenagers quit school. They just woke up one day and said, we're not going to high school anymore. We just quit. And they dropped out. And my, uh, I remember sitting at work, I was a, network manager at, at out of Kiowa for Wyndham Vacation Rentals, Kiowa Island. And uh, one of the school counselors called me, asked me who I was, if I was my daughter's father. And I said, yeah. She says, well, your daughter has been making straight A's and doing really well in school. Then all of a sudden she just lost interest, quit doing her homework, Quit showing up for school, skipping out. And uh, we haven't seen her. Do you know what's going on with her? And I was like, I don't know what's going on with her. And I said, if you, if you figure it out, please call me and let me know. And uh, needless to say, uh, my wife and I were not happy. Uh, we're not happy with their decision to quit school. Uh, and I, I guess at 17 or whatever in South Carolina, you can't force them to go to school. Um, so my wife and I, we were both working jobs during the day while our kids were at home, our young adults and they wouldn't do laundry. They would, they would clean their rooms. They didn't want to cook supper. I mean, we'd buy $300 worth of groceries and have food in the refrigerator. And we'd come home after work and they'd say, what's for supper? And we were like, uh, I don't know. We don't know what's for supper. We've been at work all day. You know, there's there's food in the refrigerator. There's hamburger helper. There's meat, ground beef, all sorts of stuff to, to make food. And um, so Katie and I just started... To go out to eat most nights we'd go out and share something share a meal uh, um, so that it wouldn't cost us that much and we'd come home and our kids would be like what's what's for supper and we're like hey, food's in the kitchen you you can read instructions on a hamburger helper box you can learn how to make your supper well they they were the mindset that if they didn't have pizza hot pockets and stuff you could stick in a microwave or stick in an oven and turn on a timer. and They weren't going to mess with it. They didn't want to make an egg sandwich. Uh, so anyway, they uh, they basically just sat at the house and did their thing, laid around all day. And uh, they wouldn't follow the rules. And uh, one day I got tired of it and I just told them, I said, either start following the rules or get out. I guess that was a form of tough love because I was at my wits end and you know mother and I were doing the best we could to pay rent and put food on the table put a roof over their heads and they just refused to cooperate they they didn't want to hear anything about it they wanted to go out and party and do their thing and stay out, out all hours of the day and night and uh while we were going to work in the morning, they'd be sleeping in, you know, until noon, one o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. So in retrospect, I kind of wished I hadn't told them that in some ways. Um, now, when I was growing up, here's a little more context, a backstory. story. Um, I was adopted. My sister and I were adopted. We were... Uh, in an orphanage in, in Schaffenberg, Germany. My sister was two years old and I was one years old. And uh, my mom and dad met at a bingo game in Frankfurt, Germany. My dad was in the military, he was in the army. Spent 26 years in the army as a drill instructor. So anyway, he was stationed in Frankfurt, Germany, met my mother. She was a translator for the Austrian consulate. She spoke 26 languages, very sharp lady. Very intelligent. They got married, tried to have kids, had several miscarriages, and then they decided to adopt while they were in Germany. And So they went to the orphanage in Schaffenburg, and they um, adopted my sister first, Tanya. And it took about a year to get all the paperwork together and got it signed, and they came back to the orphanage, and the nun said, hey, we're not supposed to tell you this, but she has a blood brother over there in that crib named uh, Don. <coughs> my name at the time was Don Yaco. I was one years old. I a cast on my right leg because I had have a club foot. So my dad came over and picked me up out of the crib. And I grabbed the hat on top of his head, a little derby hat that they wore in Austria back then, and threw it across the orphanage and laughed at him. So he fell in love with me and decided he'd uh, adopt me too. So my sister and I were very blessed and fortunate to have been adopted by an American family and brought back to the United States. Um, My dad was a, like I said, he was a drill sergeant. He was a uh, authoritative type of person, real strict, lots of rules. And my mother was uh, of European descent, and in Austria, the grandparents stay at home and take care of the children, raise the kids while the parents are off at work. In the European economy or culture, there's no such thing as latchkey children. Children are not left unattended, and children... in, in Europe and Austria anyway uh Germany maybe maybe it's just the the European culture, but children get an education i mean they're they're studying college level material while they're in eighth and ninth tenth grade uh unlike American children in American schools and my mother took every opportunity that she could to let us know how pathetic the American educational system was. Or is and uh, so anyway um, my parents raised me to children were seen but not heard I mean we'd go visit relatives and we'd sit on the couch and we were not allowed to play we we're not allowed to be children and and uh, they were very strict on us they were uh, ridiculously strict and uh, you know Parents from the 70s and 80s, uh, our parents would be in prison right now for the abuse that they meted out to their children. Uh, I could tell you things that you probably wouldn't even believe, uh, the abuse that my sister and I had to endure. Sure, we had a roof over our head. We had new school clothes every year for school. We never we never went hungry. Uh, we were... Raised in a middle-aged family in uh, rural America, Quinlan, Texas, a little, little hick town uh, population. I don't know, 600, 600 to 1,000 people, maybe 1,200 people. Uh, I graduated in 1980, May of 1980, and I left Quinlan, Texas as a young adult and moved to uh, Houston, Texas, which is the sixth largest uh, city in the United States. At least it was back then. I think it still is. So anyway, um, how do we raise our children? Well, we fall back on how our parents raised us. It's uh, it's kind of like a learned behavior. Uh, and uh, I'll have to admit that I was pretty strict with my kids, with my young adults. I was... Uh, authoritative just like my drill father adopted father was and and uh, I as a Christian as a young father I I started listening to James Dobson and uh, he's I think he was a psych, is a psychologist I don't even think he's around anymore I think he passed away recently but I recognized the fact that I needed to unlearn uh, some of the bad parenting that uh that my parents did with me and my sister. I certainly knew that I I needed to undo the generational curse of being abusive physically, psychologically and emotionally abusive to my children. And I tried to learn how to demonstrate love to my children. I tried to I didn't know how to do that. I I didn't experience it in my childhood, so therefore I did not know how to express that or demonstrate it to my children. Sure, I would say I love you. Sure, I would go through the motions, but I didn't have a I didn't have a close emotional connection with my kids when they were younger. And even now, as adults, uh, we communicate via Facebook Messenger or uh, text uh, on our cell phones. You know, happy birthday, Merry Christmas, Happy Thanksgiving what what have you Um, my one of my sons that lives here in Charleston uh, recently uh, passed the bar exam and became a an attorney and uh, we're very proud of him even though he dropped out of uh, high school he went to Trident Technical College and well actually he passed his GED studied for that then he went to Trident Technical College for two years and got some of his electives out of the electives out of the way, and then he went to uh, went on to the College in Charleston. And got his four-year bachelor's degree, and then he uh, decided he wanted to be an attorney, and he went to a um, a law school in uh, Virginia and uh, Washington and Lee, I believe, was the name of that college. And we went to his graduation recently, I think back in May, and uh, he found out uh, I think I don't know at the end of october beginning of november that he passed the bar exam and he got sworn in recently in columbia to to be an attorney in south carolina so we're very proud of him and uh he's dating this young lady in downtown charleston and living with her and they're doing their thing and like i said we're not close and uh just like my parents and I and my sister were on close. Uh, we rebelled at a very early age and got in a lot of trouble for it. So anyway, um, I attribute some of the struggles and difficulties that my young adults had and maybe are still having today to their childhood you know I didn't have a perfect childhood I had a crappy childhood if you ask me now I've forgiven my parents for the abuse Uh, they're both gone they're no longer living and uh, like I said I'm very 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 thankful uh, for what they did for me and my sister with regards to getting us out of that orphanage and bringing us to the United States of America and providing us with uh, a roof over our heads and food and clothing and and uh, you know I'm not going to kid myself. I'm, there were there were good times. There were moments of happiness. Uh, Christmas was a big deal in the European culture, and my mother was uh, uh, she passed that down to me and my sister, and, uh, and so those you know Christmas time was a pretty good time. You know there's a lot of positive uh, memories of that you know she uh, the sound of music is a was a big hit in our household because my mother uh, she was raising those hills she named she knew the trees the villages the towns she remembered the uh, German inv- invasion as a child and uh so we had some good times i have I have some positive memories from my childhood, but a lot of them are negative. And, uh, unfortunately, because of that, I, I was a messed up parent. I had a lot of, uh, childhood baggage that I was learning how to overcome as a, even as a parent. And, uh, unfortunately, some of that leaked out on my kids and on my young adults. And, um, I'm hoping that, uh, between now and the time that uh, we're no longer here, that um I can get closer to my young adults, and I hear a lot of horror stories in our Facebook parenting group. Um, I know that some of those folks have it even way worse than my wife and I with regards to some of the acting out and some of the you know the drug addiction the alcoholism. Getting in trouble with the law and the multitude of stuff, garbage that uh, some parents are having to endure. Um, There's a lot of mental health issues that are going on that are causing uh, emotional strife in families. It all boils down to relationships. And... uh, um, uh, anyway, I just want you to know that, that you're not alone and that we all have a story and we all have struggles and, um, uh, I've kind of shared with you, uh, I've been as, I don't know, as transparent, I think as I can to let you know where I screwed up. Uh, and I am not for one minute saying that people that are struggling with their young adults Their adult children with issues. I'm not saying that you're the direct cause of that. I'm not saying that that you're the reason why they're screwed up. Uh, But what I am saying is that I think that if we're all honest with one another and we look back at, you know, when our kids were young, when they were children turning into adolescents, turning into young adults, if we're honest with one another, we can look back and go, well, maybe I screwed up there. Maybe some of the things that I said were not good. And sometimes we have to backtrack and be honest with our young adults and go, hey, I'm not perfect. And yeah, I made mistakes. And yeah, you know, I've got this garbage in my childhood that I haven't worked through yet and I haven't learned how to be healed over that stuff. And so this has affected you in your childhood and you're turning into a young adult. And I guess the best thing we can do you know, is to be tra- as transparent as possible and help our young adults understand where we're coming from and apologize for the mistakes that we make and try to learn from them and try to learn how to be better parents. We we all we all want our kids, our children, our young adults to have a better life than we had. It doesn't really matter why we didn't have the perfect childhood, right? Um, what matters is, is that we give our children the best future that they can have. You know, we want them to get an education. We want them to have uh, a healthy of uh, our good mental health, we want our children to embrace our spiritual upbringing our our heritage uh, our culture we we teach um, our children our 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 morals uh, the difference between right and wrong uh, why it 's important to be a good citizen why it 's good to be a law bit abiding citizen uh why it 's good to be uh, a good global citizen. Uh, why it's important to have a good world view, and uh, we teach our kids and our young adults our world view and how we view the world and our our uh, our principles and our standards and uh, all of that. So my. Uh, young adults uh, one of them the the young lady um, she's in Oregon and um, she's got a job and she's trying to keep it and uh, she's got Crohn's disease so she struggles with some health issues and here in South Carolina she couldn't get any kind of help she couldn't get Medicare Medicaid unless she was pregnant which she is not and so she had to move out of South Carolina and go to a state like Oregon that uh, has a better health care system and so now she's getting the medical attention she needs for the Crohn's disease and uh, uh, when she's uh, experiencing the pain uh, and the symptoms that come with that along with that it's hard for her to work and uh, anyway she's living with some folks and and uh, has a place to live uh, She's not living out of a car right now. And so she's got a roof over her head, food to eat and place to stay. She's uh, she's working and she's got, I think she's got health care now, but of her own. Uh, she saved up to buy a car. And uh, one of the things I'll, one of the stories I want to recount to you uh, before I close this out, um, I was talking to another adult couple It was years ago. I think we were kind of right in the end parts of our children leaving home. Um, They told me a story about uh, this guy's brother. Was it his brother? It was either the wife's brother or his brother. I don't know which. Anyway, um, he grew up, the parents tried to put him through college. And The young man, he was basically there living on his parents' dime, you know, on the campus, whatever college he was going to. He was living on campus and belonged to several fraternities. And he was partying and taking drugs and just living a wild life, basically. And uh, he wasn't passing. He He wasn't getting passing grades. So his parents cut him off. They said, we're not paying for you to have a party life and not pass. We're paying for you to have an education, and if you're not going to, you know, put your nose to the grindstone or apply yourself, uh, uh, so that you can have an education and a uh, get a job in a whatever field of endeavor that you want to do, uh, then we're not paying for your education anymore. Well, I kind of threw him for a loop, and he stayed out of college for several years. And to make a long story short he finally caught a vision he decided he wanted to be a doctor and so he worked several jobs and worked his way through college and he worked his way through medical school and now he's a renowned cardiologist in here in charleston i don't know what his name is uh, i don't know that i ever knew what his name was uh but he's a renowned cardiologist and doing well for himself and uh I, he was well into his 20s uh, when all of this transpired, and my friends told me that with regards to our kids and their their struggles as young adults, they said, you know, you hear about young adults trying to find themselves, you know, and it, it's a tough world out there, and it's a uh, it's. I remember when I was in my early twenties, I was a dumpster fire. It's a miracle of God I'm still alive, really. So anyway, um, they told me that, you know, my teenagers or young adults, they're going to have to get to the point where they figure out where they want to go in life. What do they want to do in life? Who do they want to be? Who do they want to become? Uh, yeah, We've all said and told, asked our kids and other parents' kids, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they'll always say, I, I want to be a policeman or I want to be a trash man or I want to be a plumber or an electrician or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, that was being modeled in in their family, right? Um, so my prayer and my hope is that my 28-year-old daughter will, uh, she'll catch a vision, she'll catch a dream. uh She'll decide what she wants to do with her life. Because uh, we only have so many years on this, in this life to live, right? We have a finite number of, Of years Uh, at some point the sand in the hourglass is going to stop and that'll be it our life will be over and my wife and I uh, we uh, have supported and are still supporting our 28 year old daughter to a certain degree Um, so anyway um, We want to, we we would like to know that she's standing on her own two feet before it's all said and done. Because we're not going to be here forever. We're not going to be able to support her forever. Um, So, anyway, I want to leave you with that hope as well. Uh, No matter what you're going through with your young adult, um, at some point they're going to have to take stock in what's going on around them. At some point, they're going to have to take responsibility for their bad decisions. Yeah, we might have been screwball parents, and we might have made mistakes with our children. Um, Who hasn't? There's no such thing as a perfect parent. I don't care who you are. I don't care, you know, all these perfect people on Facebook that have these perfect lives and perfect families. I guarantee you, they're not sharing all the negative crap. They're not sharing the problems or the issues. They're just putting forth a a persona that they want everybody to believe. Uh, I know better. Um, So anyway, um, this is not going to last forever. The issues that you're dealing with with your children, your young adults, at some point they're going to have to take responsibility for their bad mistakes. They're going to have to take responsibility for their bad decisions. They're going to have to take responsibility for their actions. They're going to have to own it. And they're going to have to learn some painful lessons, just like I had to when I was in my early 20s. Uh, I thought my parents were blithering idiots. I thought they were out of contact with the world, out of touch. You don't know what you're talking about. Good grief. I couldn't wait to become an adult and make my own decisions. Wow. I was delusional when I was 16 and 17 years old. I had no clue how good I had at a home. No clue. Now we get paid and we watch the, you know, no sooner does a direct deposit hit the checking account, checking account it's gone, right? And we'll be lucky if we have money left over between paychecks. Adulting is is um, it's exhausting. And uh, our young adults are entering into that transition from being adolescents and teenagers to being responsible young adults. And we as parents are now mentors and we're now here to provide guidance and whatever assistance that, that we can provide them within reason. And uh, we have to set healthy boundaries physical boundaries, mental boundaries, emotional boundaries. We have to, as parents, we have to not forget that our mental health is important as well. Not only is our young adult's mental health important, but ours is important as well. And uh, we still have lives to live, and we we have a right to uh, peace, a peaceful house. That's one of the things my wife and I have always... Uh, told our children that there's no there's no drama in our house. There's peace in our house and we worked hard. And we still work hard, even as an older uh, couple. We don't we don't entertain bullshit. You know, we we peaceful relationship. We don't fight, we don't yell, scream, we don't do any of that. You know, thirty three years of of marriage has taught us a lot of things and um but anyway uh i want you to know that yes life is tough and yes parenting adult children does require some tough love we want we want our young adults to be successful we want them to be happy we want them to stand on their own two feet we, we want them to be in love you know we want them to get educated and and, uh, you know, the American dream, you know, you know, <laughs> if you don't, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't live in America and you live in a different country, well, my, my perspective, uh, is from an, a you know, being in America since I was two years old. I'm 62 now. So I don't know what it's like to be a parent in different, another culture. So... Um, just take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, I guess. And, you know, I've always told people about when they listen to preachers, I'm like, you know, listen to what's being said and you pick out the meat, the good stuff, and you throw away the bones. Not everything's going to apply to you, right? You're not going to always be able to agree with nor apply 100% of what's being told to you by anybody. I don't care what kind of teacher, evangelist, preacher, Bible scholar, politician, whatever. Whoever the person is in your life uh, that you're listening to, whether it be on Facebook or Snapchat or TikTok or uh, YouTube or any of these, uh, what do they call us? They call us uh, uh, creatives. You know, apparently that... People like me that write on Medium, and we, we write articles and things, and we create podcasts, and we, we produce content for other people to consume. And so we're supposedly uh, uh, creators and uh, enablers, not enablers, what's the word? I forget what it's called. Um, there's a word I'm looking for, and I can't remember it, but anyway... Um, the reason I'm doing this is because I want uh, to impart on you my knowledge, my wisdom, uh, what little I have, and my experience as a parent. And I hope that you find comfort and encouragement in what you're hearing. And I want to encourage you, uh, in my listening audience. You know, I I have on on all of my podcast episodes. I ask a question about the episode. I ask you kind of a direct question about how it affects you or how it affected you. and i I'm doing that to to drive engagement and to connect with you as a as a parent because I'm assuming that's why you're listening I suppose you are a parent and you may be struggling with something with your young adult and you may be learning about tough love and learning how to set boundaries and all of these things and um, so I want to connect with you I want to uh, become part of your life and I want to uh, I want us to engage one another through these questions through the polls that, that I can create I ask a question and give you several options and I invite you to write me uh, at James, uh, James C Moffitt uh, at outlook.com which is the email address for my Spotify, uh, ABCs of parenting, uh, adult children. Um, so I give you, I give you that information and I give you that information so that you can connect with me, uh, as a podcaster and, uh, let me know what you want to hear. I, I have several topics, uh, I don't know, I think it was like episode four or five, I listed a whole bunch of topics that um, I thought would be uh, good topics for uh, our Facebook support group as well as my podcast. And uh, I asked people to let me know. Let me know what do you want to hear? What do you want me to talk about? What information do you want me to dig up? What research can I do to help you? Because that's what I want to do. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm spending my time on uh, is to reach out to you as a parent and to let you know that life's not over. Your young adults are going to work through their issues. At some point in their lives, we're going to work through those issues for better or for, for bad or for good, and they're going to move on with their life, right? And uh, at some point, our life's going to end, and, and we can only hope that as as we have been the mentors to our young adult children that um, we can impart impart to them our wisdom and our knowledge and help them understand how to function in life uh, in a healthy way and in a productive way we want to see our kids have children we want grandchildren right we want to we want to have we want our families to be healthy we want our families to be happy as much as we can be so anyway uh, I don't know what else to say I think that's uh, you're probably tired of listening to me babble at this point so I'm going to um, get to the outro so thank you for listening to today's episode you can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Amazon Music iHeartRadio, Apple and Public Radio you may contact me at James C. Moffitt at Outlook.com. That's James C. Moffitt, M O F F I T T, at Outlook.com. Any questions, any comments, uh, any concerns? Uh, hey, if you would like to be a guest speaker on the podcast, I would love to have you. Uh, we can do a video podcast like this, or we can do an audio only, and you can be an anonymous guest. You don't have to say, your name, or you can be anonymous and just talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'd love to have you. Please share our podcast with your friends, family, and co-workers, church members, wherever your your social outlet is, share our podcast with them. Say, hey, go listen to this guy's podcast. Have a blessed day, and um, I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.